One of the subjects that arises again and again in the crypto world is regulation. With so many rug pulls, scams, and ways for consumers to lose money in the space, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission is hard at work attempting to bring about regulation that will help stabilize the space. Today, we're delighted to welcome the SEC Commissioner, Hester Peirce, to the show to answer many of our burning questions. Of course, she can't talk about pending investigations, but with her stance on crypto, we found the conversation on the government's role in regulation to be quite refreshing. This show is not regulated, but we do like to stay regular. A little bit of fiber goes a long way for episode number 627 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, ignition. Who's bad? This is the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious and the crypto serious. Now five years of broadcasting around the world and soon to be on Neptune and maybe planet Pluto. I don't know. I'm Joel Cox. That is fake news. That is not. Oh, well, well, we actually, I think it, well, see, it's not like traditional broadcasting, right? Where like it went back in the day, you know. Like I love Lucy is still broadcasting through space due to the radio, you know, right? But podcasts don't. They're actually contained within our own. So they're not like broadcasting out into space. Like people, well, somebody, are, some, some intelligent life form somebody's going to be like, I love Lucy. What is this? They're, they're going to be like listening to bad crypto going, I don't know what these guys are saying, but they're, they make me to laugh. They're going to be walking around. Lucy, I'm home. Like, what is this Lucy? We have been attempting to um, request the presence of Commissioner Purse for quite some time and thrilled that she finally was able to make it happen. Fascinating. Um, it was, it was, uh, you guys are going to really enjoy this. So we're, we're for the crypto curious and the crypto serious. This one's for both of you. And this one is pretty serious. We asked some intense questions. We did, um, you know, poll the audience and we got some responses back around some topics they wanted us to ask you guys wanted us to ask and so we did we did not hold back and she really answered every question we asked her yeah i mean it, it whether you are seriously curious or curiously serious you're going to enjoy this interview with commissioner purse and the manifestation of the call to sec commissioner purse has finally come through and she has magically through the power of technology fighting firewalls showed up here at the bad crypto podcast commissioner hester purse welcome to the show joel and travis it's great to be here i have to start with my disclaimer of course which is that my views are my own views not necessarily those of the sec or my fellow commissioners and we'll follow that we are not financial advisors uh, which we've been saying on the show for five years, and uh, we're barely podcast advisors. Well, I'm not a financial advisor either, or a podcast advisor for that for that matter. So, well, we're we're glad you're here. We have I know there's a lot of things that you can't discuss because there are current SEC uh, and you know investigations and processes that are taking place. And if there's anything we bring up that uh, you just can't talk about, we know that you'll do your job well and say. I cannot talk about that. I think the most pressing question that we have, though, and the one that people are most interested in is, how does one get to be crypto mom? I mean, that's like, that's amazing to me. Well, there are a couple answers to that. One, the, the way I got the name was that I wrote a dissent way back in 2018 about a Bitcoin exchange traded product that we were denying. And uh, lo and behold, here we are. Um, all these years later, and we're still denying Bitcoin exchange traded products. But it was it was that dissent that got me the name. Um, I will say that that now people are suggesting that I should should cede that name uh, to Commissioner Pham at the CFTC, which is which is completely fine. She's one of the new commissioners over there and uh, has has taken an interest in crypto. So that would be fine to cede the name. I've I've always said that I think it's it's dangerous for people to think of the government as apparent i mean i don't mind the name but the, the 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 government should not be thought of as apparent um 
people need to make their own decisions. They, they need to, to, to think about what they're doing and they need to take responsibility if it doesn't work out well. We can be helpful in that at the SEC by helping them to get information they need, but ultimately the decision lies, the responsibility lies with the, the individual who's the decision maker. Um, and you know, if that person hires someone else for financial advice, then you know you can you can uh, offload some of your responsibility there. Um, the other piece I would say is that I'm not an advocate for any industry, but I am an advocate for people who want to try to do new things. Innovation is really important. It's important in the financial space as well as other spaces. And too often our rules stand in the way of that innovation. So that, that, that's really interesting. One of the things is I talked to a lot of my, you know, told a lot of friends, hey, we're, we're going to be interviewing the commissioner of the SEC. And the biggest question was, could you ask how come Alabama keeps winning all them championships? We need to do something about it. <laughs> well, I have to say that when I first got this job, uh, uh, my cousin looked up what the uh, commissioner of the SEC, that SEC, um, makes. And, and he thought that that was quite a nice salary. And I had to tell him, no, nah, wrong SEC. So I think right. lots of people make that mistake. That's good. That's good. So, so one of the, one of the real questions is around, you know, we've been doing this show now for five years. And one of the things that, that comes up often is this accredited investor, right? It's like, you have to make a certain amount of money before you can spend your money on things that are in a certain financial instrument. However, I can take my paycheck and go down to the casino and put it all on black, right? And, and still lose all my money. Why is it? And here's an example. Um, there's a company called Flow. It's a blockchain, right? They, they did, um, they originally started out, they did crypto kitties. They're called Dapper Labs. And they were on Ethereum. They decided they were going to build their own blockchain, move it to Flow, create Flow, launched NBA Top Shot on it. And so I saw that and I go, oh my God, that seems to me to be a logical thing. They did CryptoKitties, they're doing NBA, they're working with the NBA, they're launching the blockchain, Flow, and we had, would have had the opportunity to go in and buy on the, S, on the ICO 10 cent tokens that went up to $30 and we could have got it, but we couldn't because we're US accredited investors, which, which stops a lot of people from being able to make some certain investments that they want. Why is that in place? And in this new crypto world, is there a way to maybe find a, a balance and a kind of, so we can all have a win-win? Yeah, well, the accredited investor issue is not an issue that's limited to crypto. Um, it, it's it's a bigger problem, right? It's 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 a rule that we have, a set of requirements that we have that says, look, if you have a certain level of income or wealth, you can invest in this in this set of investments that's otherwise off, off you know, not not available to other people who who aren't as wealthy or their incomes aren't as high, it's off bounds for those people. Um, and I've, I've thought for, for a long time that that seems like a very anti-American concept, right? That there, yes. there are certain products that are available only to a subset of, of, of people. Um, you're a so, pauper, sorry, you're a pauper. You can't invest in these. what it seemed so, like to me, I'm like, what? You know, clearly the motivation behind those restrictions is that you don't want people to invest in the private markets where there's less information if they can't afford to lose the money that they invest. And people do need to think about that before they invest in anything. Can I afford to lose this money? Sometimes when you put money into something that looks good, it might not turn out well. So you have to think about that when you make an investment. But I think the problem that with the accredited investor approach is that it does really assume that people who are of limited income or limited wealth can't make those assessments. And I, I just disagree with that fundamentally. Now, a, a few years ago, we did actually open up the accredited investor definition slightly to say if you were a financial professional, um, certain financial professionals could qualify based on the fact that, the, that they're financial professionals. Um, and we also said if other people have ideas for other things that should qualify someone to be accredited, whether it's education or some kind of industry experience, let us know, and we'll we'll consider those um, those those ideas. It hasn't really gone anywhere. I don't know that we've gotten suggestions from people, but that is still an option. People can still submit ideas for for that. So I hope we will see an expansion. Um, and again, I underscore 
if you're going to be in the private markets um, as as any kind of investor, you need to do your own diligence. Mm -hmm. It warms the cockles of my heart that you um, are talking about innovation and being pro-consumer and pro-investor. It seems to me that you probably face some opposition from some of the the dinosaurs that uh, we have in Congress that don't quite understand the blockchain technology and, and cryptocurrency. What's that like for you to work within that framework to try to communicate that, hey, hey, guys, this is where this is going and we need to you know serve the american people by helping to embrace this in a healthy way well crypto is certainly very difficult to get your arms around i i still learn something new um every day about crypto and and it, it's it's not something that a congressman or a regulator who has lots of other things on her plate has a lot of time to devote to so i think people need to understand that first first of all um, second of all, I think that there's there's real concern and it's 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 legitimate concern around investor and consumer protection. And so I think part of part of thinking about what the right regulatory solution in this space is, is to acknowledge those concerns on the other side and to say, OK, look, the technology itself has some built in capability to address some of the concerns that you have. And. Um, where where the technology poses new challenges, we can think about a, a regulatory system that would address those challenges. So it's it's a willingness, I think, to to acknowledge the the legitimate concerns that people who oppose this technology have. But more generally, you know, regulation is it tends to embed existing technology. Um, and and so it's very hard. It's not only a crypto problem. This is a problem that 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 spans innovation in products and services. When you have a very defined regulatory framework, such as you have around the financial system in the US, it's really hard for a new player to come in and say, hey, I wanna try to do things a bit differently. Um, that can take a really long time. And what does it mean when you say it takes a really long time? It means that during that really long time, you're paying lawyers and you're paying advisors and it's sometimes really hard to get the funding to get through the process to where you get a yes, you can go ahead from the regulator. Yeah, and so you know, crypto is interesting, right? It's it's a it's its whole other beast. It's value created from algorithms that are provable, that are you know transparent. You can see everything on the blockchain, and then with our current financial system, fiat currency. It, the printer press is just on, right? And it's like we don't. It seems like with the Federal Reserve Bank never having been audited, it kind of creates a, a, a lack of trust within the monetary system. So a lot of people kind of want to move towards where there's more, you know, you know, not necessarily where, there, where there's more tracking, but there's more transparency, and it's just a, a decentralized system. Like, so what do you think about the traditional system? You know, from from your perspective, not the government's perspective fiat currency and how, you know, you, they're just, print, it's not backed by gold. It's just printed as much. It's government say so is the, is the value of the dollar. And a lot of people have distrust in that. And so they want to move into something that they feel is more, as more accountability. I'm a securities regulator. So I, I, I think I need to stay a bit in my lane um, there. I will say that, you know, this is, this is over time, people have thought about what they think should have value. What should money be, right? And and some, people don't always agree on that, right? Some people think that money has to be backed by a sovereign government. Other people say no. We we like this non-sovereign version better. Um, and and again, I I come back to the fact that we live in the United States, and and people can make their own decisions. We don't all have to agree. That's the beauty of being here. Some people can say, we don't think that there's any value to this. And other people can say, we think there's no value to this. And we want to, we, we find value over here. So it's my goal as a regulator is to, to expand the perimeter within which people can experiment with different things. And, you know, we'll see what takes hold and what, what stays valuable and what doesn't over time. And that's, that's fine. 
Yeah, you talked about these uh, these Bitcoin ETFs, and the uh, the government has been slow to approve these here in the U.S. And so um, there's a lot of innovation that is moving offshore. Like, well, if we can't do what we want to do here, we're gonna go do it over there. Do you think that the United States uh, could possibly face a a losing position if we don't get some things? Um, in order regulated on this side so that we can keep innovation here on the the mainland yeah i think having a good regulatory framework is part of attracting innovators and um, entrepreneurs to the united states it's what has kept people coming here over the years and and we certainly want people to come here and build their businesses to invest um, here in our businesses and and so that's part of a healthy dynamic. Um, it can be more difficult for a, a, a jurisdiction that has an established regulatory regime, a, a well-established regulatory regime to sort of pivot and address something new, whether it's crypto or something else. Uh, you, we have seen recently that the EU came out with a pretty comprehensive regulatory framework around crypto. Uh, there have been um, some attempts to do that here in the United States as well. For example, Senators Lummis and Gillibrand introduced a holistic bill recently. So there are attempts to do that. But I, but I think we can't just rest on our, our laurels as a jurisdiction. We need to keep our laws fresh, refresh them when there are new things that come along that require us to rethink how they work. Um, and so that's that's that dynamic regulatory process is part of keeping uh, keeping a jurisdiction um, an attractive place for people to come and build things. That's yeah, that's that's, that's important. I like that. That's a great answer. Now, so uh, we've seen recently a few crypto projects kind of fail, right? In in spectacular fashion, right? We had we had Luna Terra that collapsed, right? And then there was also Celsius, which was having problems with their liquidity. They they halted. Uh, people to be able to withdraw. And then you had Three Arrows Capital. They're having some problems. But one of the things that started with, Larry, with, with Terra Luna was like BlackRock came in, borrowed a bunch of Bitcoin, did some shenanigans with UST. And then that ended up you know, messing up the UST liquidity. And then you know that tanked. And then they came back in and, and paid back their Bitcoin at a much lower price because they tanked the price of Bitcoin. Like, when people are when when big organizations are doing things like that and manipulating markets, like we've seen big players with lots of dollars manipulate markets and just tank them. Like, how is it they never get regulated? Is it's almost like some of those financial instruments are there in place where big money can come in and just sway markets easily, and that just hurts the little guy. Well, I don't want to speak to any particular. Um fact or project or circumstance. Um, so just kind of taking a step back, I think it's really moments like this are really valuable for everyone in the community, right? It's it's important to look at how you're making your investment decisions, how you're deciding what to purchase and, and thinking about what, you know, how, what are the dynamics of this particular project? How does it work? What are the potential risks, right? You're looking, you often are looking at the returns, but you need also to balance that against what the risks are. And so, you know, the, the, there's a lot of tragedy and there's a lot of hardship that's come out of this, this downturn and, and some of the project collapses uh, and the problems that projects are having. They're real world consequences, and I'm not trying to minimize those. But what I am saying is take this as a learning opportunity and think about the fact that when when there is money to be made, um, you know what what are the attendant risks, and what are the risks that something could happen um, that you don't expect to happen, right? You have to be trying to think about what the different potential outcomes are. Um, you know, people, big financial players in the United States are quite heavily regulated, um, so. That is, is certainly the case. But I think we also need to think about how does the crypto, and I don't really like this word, but ecosystem interplay with traditional financial markets. And that, that also can create risks. And so people need to be thinking about those risks. People within the traditional financial system need to be thinking about those risks. And people in the crypto system also need to be thinking about those risks. 
So I think we all have lots of lessons to learn and lots of things to think about. And another thing I will say is that there, there are some fundamental principles that don't change just because you're in the crypto world. Counterparty risk is a real risk and you have to think about it. You have to think too about transparency. Are, do, you, do you understand the terms of the deal that you're, you're getting into? You have to think about the risks of leverage, the, thing, the risk of being overexposed to a particular project or company. These are all sort of fundamental rules that don't change just because you're in the crypto world. Mm. So, so the government isn't just recommending, hey, everybody go buy Dogecoin. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I hope the government isn't recommending that anyone buy anything specific. Right. So, you know, with so many tokens, of course, it all started with Bitcoin, but now there are thousands of tokens that are being issued by individuals, by companies, by brands, by projects. And then there's NFTs. Uh, is it overwhelming? on the regulation side to figure how do we sort through all this to figure out what are securities and what are not? Well, it is it is overwhelming, but I think we haven't handled it the right way either. So there are some things that we could do. So we're seeing this kind of now with stable coins, right? People are breaking off stable coins and they're saying, okay, this is a discrete regulatory issue. We can come up with a regulatory framework that makes sense for stable coins. And so people are working on that. We could do the same thing with other kinds of things. You mentioned NFTs. We could, we could look at NFTs and we could say, look, here are some things that you can think about that might make one of these a security. And so, you know, be on the lookout. We are, you know, we're a regulator. We're not your lawyer. Um, we're not your financial advisor, but we can provide some, some guidance to people as they think about which bucket these things fit in. Um, and, you know, more generally, we should think about what the issue is we're trying to solve, right? And I, I think this is one of the things that's frustrated me about the whole token issuance question, right? The, the problem we're trying to solve is that people buying tokens want some information about the people who are behind that token. What's, what's this project all about? What are the plans? What's the likelihood that these people are going to run off with my money when I invest it? And these are the kinds of things the securities laws are actually really good at getting getting information about. But we need to tailor it so that people get the kind of information they need about tokens. So why don't we go ahead and just come up with a framework that works to get people the information they need so they can make the decision? We've gotten so tangled around um, bringing enforcement action you know, enforcement action sort of on a one-off basis that we've missed the opportunity to build a framework that would that would apply more broadly and 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 would have prevented, I think, some of the problems that we've we've seen. What would it also have stopped a lot of projects from ever, you know, originating, do you think? Would we have seen if 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 you could roll back the the clock and have handled these things, say, you know, three years ago, would we see the proliferation of coins? Would NFTs have ever taken off? Um, would, you know, I'm not sure what it would look like today in an alternate universe. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to know that alternate universe picture is hard to paint, but I think the the idea is that when there's better information out there, and this is something the market can work on too, right? You know, if, if people are willing to hand over, over their money without getting any information, then there's not a lot of pressure on people who are building these project, projects to provide information. And then that can be very fertile ground for people who have no intention to build anything, just have an intention to take your money. So would some projects that are, that, that there's no there there for not exist? I think so. But you can design a regulatory framework that both allows things to exist and, you know, satisfies this this real need for investor or customer protection. So I do I, I don't think that that it would it would end uh, new projects in this space or, you know, I don't think it would stop something like NFTs from developing. That said, I do think the fact that we we've had this very disorganized, chaotic approach to regulating this space has caused a lot of people to spend a lot more time engineering around that uncertainty. And that's effort that could instead have been spent on actually building something useful. So it's sometimes 
frustrating for me from a regulatory perspective to see my regulatory colleagues saying, well, there's nothing in crypto. We haven't really allowed that to, to, to play out. There may, you know, they may be right at the end of the day, right? But, but I think we need to allow that to play out. And if you, if you tell people you have to spend all your time thinking about whether or not this might fit within the securities framework, you're going to end up with a lot of people who don't care about law doing unlawful things and harming other people. And you're going to have, to your point earlier, um, Joel, you're going to have some people just deciding, you know what, I'm cutting U.S. investors. I'm going to build something real, but I'm going to cut U.S. investors out of it. So it seems like no one gets a good result from that. Why not instead come up with a sensible regulatory framework? That makes a lot of sense. And there's, there's, there's some questions around this because, you know, we talked about it earlier, that rapid state of digital innovation, right? And so, for example, it seems to me that in the future, you know, security tokens, which is sort of like loyalty rewards plus stock, right, uh, ownership is going to become more prevalent, or it would make sense that it would become more prevalent. For example, 2003, I go and buy a MacBook Pro from Apple for like $3,000. Now it's worth nothing. But if I put in that $3,000 in Apple stock, like it would be worth so much money, right? So I, I can foresee a future where maybe it's NFT commerce or it's security tokens or somehow where I buy an Apple computer and they say, thank you. Here's some Apple coin for your, for your participation in, in working with us. And now you bought the product and you get a share of the potential growth of the company down the road. Is this... Is this something that 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 has been discussed, or like the innovations of that as things are moving forward to make that a reality? So, Travis, I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about, right? It, there, I think there is space for crypto to be to merge with the traditional financial system in the sense that I, I think we could see a lot of equity securities ultimately being tokenized, and that's experimentation that should be happening now mm. but it's very difficult for that kind of experimentation to happen given the way that the the commission has approached these issues in recent years because we've we've just we've not taken the view that let's figure out how people that are already regulated by us can experiment with this technology um, we've made it so difficult for their, them to experiment. We've mm -hmm. given some relief and said you can do some things that you can try some experiments, but those experiments have been so limited and that relief has been so constrained that it really hasn't afforded people the, the opportunity to really play around with the technology and think about what its applications within the traditional financial world might be. And the consequence of that is that maybe we're losing out on on technology that could actually shorten our settlement cycles or could make it easier for a company to communicate with its shareholders without actually having to know who they are. I mean, there, there are a lot of, or eliminating um, transfer agents perhaps. I, again, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not a technologist, I'm not the one with the great imagination, but I would love if people could come in to talk to us and say, here's an experiment we're trying to run, can you, can you work with us to craft parameters and conditions on that experiment that makes sense? Well, that, that's a that's next follow-up is like, do you guys have or are thinking about creating maybe an SEC council on crypto where you have some experts from the space? Because we've been interviewing people for a long time. We know a lot of them. Like, you know, every once in a while, bring some of us to, to Washington, D.C. to talk about some of these issues because we see things that in a different lens because maybe we've talked to so many people who've done so many things. Like we we're able to connect dots that others maybe aren't because we can kind of see how things could go in the future. But in some cases, regulation happens on what is only right now, what is not trend, what is not what we're not moving forward towards. Is that something you guys have thought about doing or, or you know wanting to create? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point. And my door is always open. Of course, I love I love to talk to people. So so people are free to come talk to me when we do have a formal advisory committee. There actually are, as you might not be surprised, laws around how those have to be constructed. Um, but I, I certainly think it's very valuable. We can have one off roundtables where we bring people in to 
talk about the issues. And I think the value of that is that you have a bunch of people in the room, probably virtual now, but right, you have people in the room at the same time talking about the issues so they can feed off each other and they can contradict each other and they can, you know, we can have a lively debate about these issues. Those are valuable things. We've done that in the past. I'd like to see us do it again. Um, Commissioner Pham at the CFTC and I have suggested doing it together jointly as SEC and CFTC. Um, I think that kind of public engagement would be would be very valuable for for us as we think about how to move forward. But again, I've not made uh, I, I've not been successful in, in convincing uh, convincing my colleagues that that's what we should do. Well, if we do get invited to a council, since you, you're crypto mom, I would like to be referred to as crypto cousin twice removed. <laughs> that would that would be my uh, thing. So you might agree then with uh, Senator Pat Toomey, who has actually is a very uh, he's a crypto enthusiast, and he has kind of blamed the SEC for the uh, the lending. Uh, the crypto platform lending crisis. Uh, he wrote, you know, a letter to to Chairman Gensler about this, and says that um, SEC could have perhaps prevented this if there had been faster movement. What do you, What do you think of that? I think the point is an interesting point. And when the BlockFi settlement came out, um, I dissented from it in part because here was a perfect opportunity for us to take an issue where we saw that there was a securities angle to it and we thought it should be brought within the system. So instead of taking an enforcement approach, we could have taken a regulatory approach, which would have then applied more generally, not just to one entity. And we could have set those parameters in place, but as is so typical, we lead with enforcement. And the result is that you don't get you don't get uniform application of the law and you don't get the benefits that come from actually building a framework that people can point to, that lawyers on the outside can point to and say, there's a regulatory framework for this, you have to fit within this. Um, and it it creates a more level playing field. So I, I would have liked to see us do that in securities lend and in crypto lending. And I think that could have helped us to um, to you know get ahead of some of the problems. Nice, nice. So I'm looking. I'm looking at the twitters, right? Because we said, "Hey, we're going to chat with uh, you know, uh, Madam Commissioner today." And so some of the questions is around inevitably insider trading, right? And so Martha Stewart, she got the book thrown at her. You're going to jail. But then we got all these Congress people who have clearly information. It's inside, and then their spouses go and buy a bunch of stock. It's so much so that. Twitter banned Pelosi tracker, this Twitter handle that was literally monitoring every one of their trades and then tweeting about it. So my question is, is like as a as a, you know, a, someone who I kind of stay away from stock market investing, it always seems always kind of scared me. I was like, ah, eh, it's a house of cards. Eventually it's going to crash. However, I'm like, yay, crypto. But I look at this and I say, if you want to make great stock, you know, purchases, just monitor what Congress is doing. It's just like having an app that just mimics their purchases because they seem to know more than we know, right? It would be a great thing. So like, why is it they're able to get away with that? And like regular people, it's even Martha Stewart's not even a regular person, but she got the book thrown at her. But everyone else is just like, it's no big deal. Like, how come that's not ever taken care of? Well, let me first address and say that the, the stock market is an opportunity for everyone to participate in the growth of our economy. And so, you know, there are a lot of different ways to do that. You can buy individual stocks, you can buy mutual funds or exchange traded funds. And part of my goal as a commissioner is to encourage more of the, of, of the country to participate in our securities markets, both as investors, but also as people who draw from those markets to build their businesses. Okay, so that's, that's what my scares, thought. Let me clarify what scares me is like those naked shorts and people leveraging things that they don't even, I guess it's like, like that, those financial instruments seem to me to be terrifying because some people can utilize them and win big and some people can just get completely wrecked. Right. Well, so, like, that's what, that's what we do have we do have rules existing around some of those things like naked shorting. But we also um, there are some areas that we're looking at to see if we can can change our rules, can improve our rules around those as well. But so to get to your to your main question, you know, I I worked at the SEC before I was a commissioner. I I worked as a staffer at the SEC. And so I've seen I've seen 
improvements in technology over the years that now actually make it easier for us to detect insider trading, for example. And we bring a lot of insider trading cases. And, uh, and what I've noticed is that they're, they're, we bring the, case, the data, tells us who might be involved. We look at those people and there's not a pass if you're a politician, right? Politicians can and have gotten charged by us um, with, with insider trading. So I think people should know that, that you know, I'm, I'm often critical of my own agency, but I've not seen a, a, a willingness to pass over people simply because of the, the job that they have or the status that they have um, when it comes to bringing charges. We aren't able to throw people in jail. If anyone gets thrown in prison, that's, the, that's our criminal uh, counterparts at the Department of Justice. So I should clarify that as well. Um, in terms of what the specific rules are around insider trading um, in Congress, that's above my pay grade. I don't write the laws. Uh, so that's something that, that others have to, uh, to deal with. Hmm. So your, uh, your term, your, your time on the, uh, the board is ending in 2025. And you have indicated that you're done, you're out, you want to go back to Ohio and become a beekeeper. Is that, is that accurate? I may have to do something else to pay my bills, but, uh, but I, I do, um, hope to, uh, have a beehive in Ohio. I, I can see you with, you know, you got the, the thing <laughs> the over mask, there. Right? The mask and the bees yeah. are going nuts. I'd be that's like, let me out of here. That's crazy. Uh, so, but you know, with you being one of the proponents in Washington, uh, for crypto, understanding crypto to, to a much greater degree than many are there, I kind of feel like we need people like you there. Is it because you feel like this is an uphill battle for you or you feel like you've done all you can? What What's the impetus to say, hey, I'm out? Well, 2025 is is a long way away first. But, but second, I would say that the beauty of American government, and I think this is something we really have to continue to emphasize, is that it doesn't depend on any particular person, right? The fact that I'm in this seat now, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to make some changes in the way this agency works, and I'm trying to, to, uh, to do my job the best I can do. But someone else will come in and fill this seat and bring something unique and different and a different approach, and that's a good thing. That's we need to be a, a, a country that's ruled by law and not by men and women. So I think it's wonderful that. Um, in 2025, I'll move over and someone will step into my seat. That's that's part of the strength of American government. Term limits. I'm not a not not a fan of that across our elected um, officials either. Go ahead, Trav. Yeah, that's that, that's, uh, that, that's interesting. Good stuff. I, I want to say thank you for you know answering all these questions because we, we we did not throw some softballs at you. We were throwing some some good ones at you because we were asking our audience like, what would you like to know? And they said this, one of the questions, and we're sure that you're not going to be able to answer anything about it, but just what can you say about XRP and Ripple? Because that seems to be one of the things that's going to, you know, probably can't say much, can you? Plead the fifth on that one. I get asked that question a lot. And unfortunately, I can't speak to items that, uh, to, to issues that are in litigation. It's going to be monumental. Like, regardless of whatever happens, that case is going to be monumental. Well, let me ask about this then. So the Supreme Court recently ruled on the EPA and the agencies that say that, you know, government agencies necessarily can't rule on certain things and it has to go through Congress. Right. And so does that impact like the SEC and other government agencies like that on like how maybe crypto might be regulated in the future? Well, I like that you're reading Supreme Court cases, Travis. That's that's great. And that one in particular I like to is to stay informed, uh, Madam Commissioner. <laughs> Well, the reason I think that that one in particular, it's great you're reading because I, so I went to law school and administrative procedure was a class that I enjoyed, but a lot of other people don't enjoy that class. So it's always fun to meet a non-lawyer who likes to talk about administrative procedure cases. Um, or maybe you are a lawyer. I shouldn't presume that you're not a lawyer. Are you? I am, I am a sir and a lord. Uh, I'm a Scottish landowner so and a knight of sea land, but not an attorney. Nor a All right. Well, so I'm glad you're interested in administrative procedure. And that case, I think, does um, it does affect the way I think agencies will approach rulemaking, um, specifically 
and, and again, I'm although I am a lawyer, I'm not an administrative procedure expert, but I think the core point there is that when you're talking about major questions, you wanna make sure that the popularly elected Congress has told an agency what to do. And that's something, that's a, a principle that I generally, um, that I, I try to employ when in, in my job as commissioner. I look first to see what is it that Congress told us to do. And sometimes Congress tells us to do things that if I were running the show and making the decisions, I might not wanna do. But because Congress told us to do it, we have to do it. And so I think that's sort of the key lesson for regulatory agencies is to stay within the remit that Congress gave you. Um, and that makes sure that, that all the laws and regulations are really flowing from the popular, uh, from, from what the people want through their elected representatives. Mm. Trav, while you're not a lawyer, you could um, be within the law to put Esquire as a title, because uh, I think in the UK, you have to be an attorney to use the title. But in the US, you can do whatever you want with it. Um, Commissioner Purse, thanks for coming on today. Final question for you, and then we'll let you get on with your busy day of of regulating. Um, Bitcoin. There are countries around the world that have made it illegal to use it as as legal tender, have made it illegal to do mining. Is the genie so far out of the bottle here in the United States that there is no turning back? In other words, in your personal opinion, do you see the U.S. government ever coming in and saying, "Uh, you know what, guess what? Bitcoin is illegal. Cryptocurrencies are illegal and all this stuff is uh, to be treated as worthless. Well, if that were going to happen, I don't think it would be the SEC that would be the source of that. So I I will caveat my answer with that. But then I'll say, as I've said in the past, it's very hard uh, to turn something like Bitcoin off because it is decentralized. Um, So I think that that would be technologically quite difficult for the government to do. But they could make I mean, still, you know, in in China, they said no go, but it doesn't stop people from from using it. Well, you know, I the way I approach my job as a regulator is to say there is a role for regulation, but that role should, when we adopt a regulation, we should be thinking, okay, every time there's a regulation, I'm stepping in between two individuals who want to engage in a transaction voluntarily. There has to be a good reason for me to step in the middle. And sometimes there is a good reason, but that's my premise is first, I, I think, okay, what is the problem we're trying to solve with this rule? And are the costs of solving that problem through a rule bigger than the benefits? And I think that's that's very important for us to really take care as we regulate, to think about the consequences on people, including the consequences of constraining their choice, which I think brings us right back around to where we started with the accredited investor definition. Fantastic. And on that note, a great place to end. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Travis. Thanks, Joel. I, I had fun. That was good stuff there, Sir Lord Travis, right? Esquire. I'm not Esquire. I am Sir Lord Travis Wright, Apostle of Humility, Doctor of Space and Time, and other ones that you can buy from the Life Church of uh, <laughs> what was it? Something Life Church, something... And you can get all kinds of crazy titles, but uh, commissioner of the SEC is her official real title. And how about that? What do you guys think of that interview, folks? Did we just bring some thunder? Yeah, she was great. And I, you know, having not had listened to previous interviews with her, I did not realize just how pro uh, innovation in crypto she is. And it was, uh, you know, so she's got three more years to uh, make some magic before she goes to uh, become a beekeeper. Yeah. And her door is open to chat about all things. Like she was very willing and open to learn about innovation. And I, I think that maybe down the road, there might be some sort of round table, maybe where, where people can go in and, and ask about and talk about those things. That would be so awesome because I think a lot of these regulators, they don't necessarily think of the mechanics of it. They don't understand how some of these things can work, but like we, people who are in the space that have innovative ideas, and it's like, some of these things are out of bounds right now. Like I, I was chatting with an attorney about, you know, some NFT commerce stuff it was like, 
here's an NFT and then like physical products could be made from that and then sharing profits and other things like, no, that's a security. You're promising a return. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm literally sharing in IP with somebody through an NFT security. Like what? Like, so what, let's innovate. There's got to, there's, and, and the question you asked that we've talked about so many times, Joel, about innovation having left or is leaving America going to these other places like the Silicon Valley of the future probably won't be in America because of some of this. But then when you see Luna and Celsius and three arrows capital, and, and then that other one that happened just today is that, well, you know, we got to have some sort of something to, to protect people, but we can't be too restrictive, you know, like a financial condom of some sorts. Right. right. There almost need to be like consent. And what she said at the end about like, you know, basically the SEC's role is to get between two people who are willing participants in a, you know, exchange of funds in some way. Like, I understand the risks. Okay. It's almost like I consent to, you know, buying this shit coin that's probably going to tank, but I consent to it and using money that I understand is mine and could be lost. I understand. It's almost like, the, the uh, accredited investor thing is it's almost should just be like agreed consent. All right. Hey, I consent to do this and let me buy some flow at 10 cents. Right. I, I understand that my wife might leave me um, and that, you know, my life will be ruined. And <laughs> have you seen coin fashions on Twitter? Did you? Yeah. That's amazing. I, if you're not, I should actually, I should, I should get notifications. On if, that. if you're not following this account, they, it's called coin fashions at coin fashions. And basically That's a great name. I'm surprised we didn't think of that one. I know they're consultancy and all these other coin tank and think all these others, but coin fashions genius. It's anonymous crypto confessions. So they have a, a form, a Google form you go fill out and then they post. Um, things like uh, here's a couple recent ones on their Twitter. Almost lost all of my sister's college tuition in the Celsius debacle. Thanks to Twitter, I was able to take out $66,000 two days before they shut withdrawals. Still lost around 18K. Uh, it, it, there's just, I've, I've thrown everything I have at it for margin, but I'm tapped out. Uh, it's, it's, it's just really well done. And so if you've got a coin fashion, you can go to the form and fill it out and maybe they will post it. Um, it's supported by Mexi Global. So they actually have a, a sponsor in a um, uh, uh, Mexi here, this uh, exchange. Mm. Wow. Interesting stuff. There's so there's some great ones in here, and but some of them make you really sad. But these are getting yeah. so much engagement on these. In fact, I am following it, and I am going to hit the notifications on that so I can see those when they come in. Because oh my, I feel sad for them. Oh, supported and, by Mexi Global. That's a smart. Yeah. I see. You guys are being notified right now that if you have not picked up your Bad Crypto Nifty Club membership, go ahead and do it. Badcrypto.uncut. Dot fm is where you find that it's like two bucks for a really cool nft uh just we're only charging a little bit because we just don't want the bots to take them so for a couple bucks you can have this cool bad crypto nifty club membership nft and that gives you access to collect other nfts right now there is a limited edition set of john mcafee from our episode number 100, the first time we interviewed him, there's only five of each of these clips. Um, there's still several that are remaining, mostly because we haven't talked about it a whole lot. So I have a feeling once you guys go over and see these, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I can own a piece of the Bad Crypto podcast featuring John McAfee. I want this. So go to yeah. badcrypto.uncut.fm. And the links to this site are also in the show notes for this episode, along with stories that we covered in our um, interview with Commissioner Purse at badco.in forward slash 627. And this episode was sponsored by the uh, Securities Exchange Commission. <laughs> that is not true. And the SEC, the Southeastern Conference of Football. Also, the party at the Travilla is coming up. If you want to come to Puerto Rico and hang out with us the evening of August 13th, that's a Saturday in Luquillo, Puerto Rico, you can get your free ticket. Just go RSVP at badco.in forward slash party. 
and uh, we're going to hang out poolside at the Trav Villa, and uh, we're going to eat, we're going to drink, we're going to reminisce, we're going to celebrate the fifth anniversary of the Bad Crypto Podcast and celebrate you, our listeners, our friends, our fans, our foes. We don't really have foes. Great. Now Joel just gave the SEC our address and where to meet us and when. Your, your address. I gave him your address. Yeah, Joel threw me <laughs> under the bus on this episode. He's like, hey, ask that one question about insider trading. I'm like, dude, I asked all the tough ones. I'm the one that's going to be get killed. That's right. He's like, well, nice to know you. That's so right. I let you know Joel is partly responsible. He needs to be Arkansas too. I did not Epstein myself. <laughs> <laughs> That did not happen. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, then please do share it. Go on the the Twitters, the Instagrams, the LinkedIn's, um, all those places, and let people know they can enjoy it at badco.in forward slash 627. And we will catch you the next time. We'll see you when we see you, right? It was nice knowing you. Yeah. Stay bad. <laughs>